I'm Dave Baker. This is episode 33 of It's Pronounced Zine. This time, my guest is Noah of Zenomatic, where we're going to talk about some zine stuff, distribution model for zine stuff, and even more zine stuff. There's a lot of zine stuff. Also, this is a zine podcast because zine stuff. Here comes Dave Baker with the show, talking about paper publications you should know. Authors and photographers that are fresh on the scene. Don't be getting twisted. Twisted. It's pronounced zine. Thank you for uh, coming in. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I feel like the podcast has sort of like a, a tradition attached yes. to it. Yes. Which is first, you have to ask whether we're recording right now <laughs> and if we're actually on the podcast, if uh-huh. this is just a hello type thing. Uh-huh. And then there's a short conversation about the headphones. <laughs> Whether I put the headphones on, take yes. them off, uh-huh, uh-huh. and then an NPR joke uh, yep. comes after that. Yes, yeah. yes. Would you like to deliver the NPR joke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when I hear my voice, I put on the NPR voice. <laughs> yeah. Good. I'm glad that you're familiar with the format of exactly, the show. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that makes me oh, happy. Oh, you're right. This makes me want to talk in sultry tones. See? See, Hello, you, mocked, you, mock a, you mocked me initially, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, no. Yeah. There is a method to my madness, sort of. I'm going to go in with that natural voice right now. <laughs> Aristotle, you coming in on this? Round table? No? <laughs> that was a maybe with like a pointed no at the end. <laughs> that was like, yeah, no. No. So I would be Dave Baker. Who are you, my friend? I am Noah of Xenomatic. Oh, yeah, you yeah. are. I have one name, like Prince. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. By the way, I actually brought you some zines today. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. what exciting is up? stuff. Um, so that's a that's a collage. This guy named Fishspit in uh, I think it's Washington or Oregon. He does these crazy collages. It's it's amazing, and he puts so much time and effort into it, and he just wants to like spread his collage art out there into the world. Yeah, I believe this is Johnny Craig. There you go. I don't know who either of these things. Are. This looks like a Tyrannosaurus Rex from the. F- like interior of some children's dinosaur book. Yeah. And so yeah, the uh, the discussing collages is great pod. Oh, dude, yeah. I give the best pod. <laughs> I give the best pod. Uh, so yeah, I guess maybe what is Xenomatic for the uninitiated? Uh, so Xenomatic is a monthly zine subscription box. So I find sort of all the whatever's new, whatever's happening in the zine community. And I put it together in a box every month, and people subscribe and get it sent to their doorstep. So it's, uh, I mean, you can get a different different kinds of plans, but it's sort of zines and, uh, you know, paper art, some uh, old-school ephemera, stickers, that sort of thing. Um, so it's really great to get uh, art out there. You know, there's not really a, a set zine distribution model out there that... Um, really has successfully worked in a lot of ways. No, no, there's no distribution model, period. Yeah. It's just like, okay, well, I can I can sell these on Etsy, which is just sort of like a flood of artwork, and you never yeah. find sort of what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to shows, which happen a couple times a year here, mm-hmm. um, and then if you're not in a major city, it's just yeah. a nightmare in terms of finding new cool stuff. Absolutely. So I was hoping that sort of... Building this model allows people to sort of subscribe and just see, um, you know, get zines in the mail every month and, and help out all my artist friends and sort of get all this great artwork out there. Uh, how long have you been doing it for? Oh, I started in late 2015. Yeah, fuck you, 2014. We need to <laughs> fuck with you. 
No, we start in 2015. <laughs> I would make a joke about something bad that happened in 2014, but I don't think anything happened in 2014. I don't think it's even a year. <laughs> we just completely skipped it. 2013, 2015. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, and was it, like you're saying, more kind of like a, you know, uh, a calculated decision of like, oh, I think I'm going to do this for these codified reasons or did you kind of just slowly start end up being like backed into it by your friends <laughs> where you were like oh I, all these motherfuckers are giving me all these zines I gotta do something with them like I yeah it was definitely calculated okay. <laughs> cause you know you have to like I feel like when you start a project like this you have to have sort of a problem that needs to be addressed you know I, I think that I'm very glad that you're making this <laughs> mostly because every other zinester I've ever met including myself does not think that way <laughs> Everybody just kind of finds themselves making zines where it's kind of just like, I guess I'm just, well, I've drawn all these things. I guess I'll fucking Xerox them into a book or make a comic or fuck it. I don't know, something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the fact that you are coming at it with a more um, intellectual and uh, problem-solving approach. Yeah, definitely. So, like, when I when I first got into zines, I, I saw that, like, I went to all the zine fests and I saw, like, oh, these are all, like super cool, artistic, nerdy people that I, like, I'm really down with. And in some ways, like, I found my tribe, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's like, how do I become, like, a part of all this? And I, I mean, I made zines, and they were um, largely unsuccessful. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean, though? You, is it really possible to make an unsuccessful zine? I guess you're right about that. It's, it's more about the sort of reaction that people get when they read them. Mm. So a lot of my zines were based off of, like, trying to make humor in the face of um, sort of futility. Mm-hmm. And so they were about sort of, like, how, like, nothing you do really has the effect that you want it to do. Mm-hmm. And so while I made these zines, and I'm like, this is probably the funniest, like, the funniest material I've ever made in my life. And then other people read them, and they're like, Noah, you know, I'm there for you. <laughs> <laughs> ever need someone to talk to yeah yeah i'm totally like i'm here for you and i was like maybe this is not maybe the zine production sort of thing is not (laughs) i love it yeah uh so then you just you uh kind of slotted yourself into the uh the ceo ozines the 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 big business the lucrative the lucrative minefield that is zine production yeah i listened to the guy who does uh meltology what is his name oh chuck kerr chuck he has ceos oh right okay i apologize i I prefer el rey el rey does zine yes which is that's that's my preferred nomenclature Mm -hmm. Um, i thought about emperor Mm. Uh, but it, did. <laughs> mm. it just didn't have the the right feel to it. So right. El Rey, El Rey, I feel like yeah. You guys can put this title of this episode. El yeah. Rey, El Rey mm. El Rey Cinematic. Yeah, yeah. Aristotle's making a note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can already tell I'm coming off really great. No, no, I think humble. It's, no, no, everybody knows you're fucking around. Um, but it's I think that that's there's like a weird. This is the thing we were talking about at. LA Zine Fest a couple weeks ago where there's like a weird gap where there's there's people who make zines and then theoretically there are people who would like to read zines but the two don't always connect and mm-hmm. it's really really hard to bridge that gap mm-hmm. um, specifically because there's no zine publishers like yeah. it's well that's an over exaggeration there are but you know what I'm saying colloquially mm-hmm. it's mostly people in their basement making these little you know uh, z- usually kinko xeroxed things and finding an audience for the that can be fucking soul crushing. 
<laughs> um, yeah, I totally get that. Um, so it was, yeah, what's really cool about what I do is that, I mean, I have to fill a slot of five zines every month. Mm-hmm. And so we're sending out, you know, thousands, thousands of zines a month. Mm-hmm. And it's usually when I talk to someone, it, it's like, are they, are you joking? The amount of, it's the biggest sort of distribution these people have ever had. Yeah. Um, so it's good to be able to have built a system where, you know, you're able to actually have people see this great art that people just make in their basement. Yeah. You know? Do you find that, that the fact that you are, well, let me ask you, let me, let me back up. Thousands of packages full of zines go out. Does that mean... <laughs> thousands of zines. Thousands of zines. Yeah. Thousands of zines. Yes. That's, okay, that's where I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Y'all sent out thousands of packages of zines? This is crazy town. Um, thousands of zines. Yes. Yeah. So we, yeah, uh, are you asking about numbers? We we um. Oh, you don't have to. I was. I'm not trying to be <laughs> shitty or you know invasive. I just was more. I was actually going to frame that in terms of like, do you ever find people that can't meet whatever the demand is, like as in print run because they're so DIY that let's say they make 25 zines and then is mm-hmm. that something that you wouldn't then carry because you need to have uniform across a level? So I learned early on that you have to have all since I have a, a sort of shipment. Uh, responsibility mm-hmm. that you have to have two to three months in advance because people, especially artists, you know, they have their they have their sort of their art brain and their sort of business manufacturing brain is not always sort of, um, I guess, deadline oriented sure. as much <laughs> as much as I am. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I have to, I definitely have to give people a lot of lead time, um, and people do they do struggle a lot, yeah, because uh, it's not it's no joke having to fold, you know. 300, 400 zines. <laughs> yeah. No fucking shit, man. God damn. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of someone is interested in submitting to you to mm-hmm. have their zine distributed, what is that process like? That process, uh, so you can shoot me an email, uh, noah at xenomatic.com. Uh, we get a lot of, we get a lot of submissions. Um, and so do I pass it on to like, I look at it, I pass it on to some friends, some curators, and we get a good idea of sort of what will appeal to the sort of the most amount of people. Because, you know, people are entrusting, they're subscribing to me and, and they don't really know what they're getting. So they're entrusting that what they're going to get is going to be within their interests. So that sort of limits the kind of content that we can take because it has to be something that is outside of sort of niche interests and into something where everyone can appreciate it because it's just rad on its own merits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get, we get probably 50 or 60 sub- submissions a month, and we can take probably four or five. Right, Yeah. right. Um, which, I mean, I got into this so I could help sort of distribute people's art and make people's day and, like, have, like, an amazing distribution model. And I've sort of fallen into this thing where my job is majority just saying no to people (laughs) (laughs) which does not feel good at all and so uh i've definitely had some lessons in tactfulness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. tactfulness is important um just being communicative uh communicative Mm -hmm. and yeah i hope i hope there's not any uh bad blood out there in the zine (laughs) (laughs) it's funny too because i feel like when there's nothing to lose, which there's literally nothing to lose when making a zine because mm-hmm. it's there's theoretically not a lot of money involved. It's just a theoretically a pure expression of somebody's interests or passion or their uh, artistic output. And yet, even so, there's nothing on the line. People get really intense about it. Oh yeah, like that, real intense. Well, making art is just such like an emotional process. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and yeah. it's. 
the only the only sort of parallel I can draw is I had a friend who was a clothing buyer mm-hmm. at Buffalo Exchange, mm-hmm. and she she knows what I'm talking about when I hear about because she she was in the position of uh, looking at people's clothes that they brought in and telling them like oh this is cool and this is not cool mm-hmm. and that was in face to face too. So. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I wish there was a way that I could, like, um, organize another sort of system where I could be more inclusive of more different kinds of people. Because, I mean, every zine I see has value to it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. everyone is making cool stuff. And it's it's not really fair to be, able, be like, sort of a, a gatekeeper position here. Because that's not, that's not what zines are about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I guess, am I the man? Is that what <laughs> <laughs> I was slowly been becoming the man. Yeah, like, yeah. What, You've George Lucas to yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. You, I only accept Jar Jar Binks zines now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wouldn't say no to a Jar Jar Binks scene. I would. Do, oh, do you hear that? That's thousands of people making Jar Jar Binks, <laughs> Jar Jar Binks scenes. Right yeah, now. yeah. Misa Dinka zines are good. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Can we get to the bottom of whether Jar Jar Binks is racist? Oh, he is. Absolutely. Is. Absolutely. What is it? Is it Italians? What is, it's, what every, is it's every offensive minority stereotype <laughs> rolled into one. It's awful. It's so offensive. Yeah, I want to kind of unpack how George Lucas can do so many things right and so many things wrong at the same time. I feel like the, the many people have had this conversation. <laughs> I mean, I'm down to have it. I'm just saying I feel like it's not necessarily new territory because there's a whole generation of people who've just wept themselves to sleep every night <laughs> due to those fucking prequel movies. And I'm not going to say that I'm not one of those people, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, you don't know my life. You don't know my how... Fuck you, Attack of the Clones. Fuck you. Um, I feel like the third one was okay. I think the third one, actually, I hate the most because it's bordering on cool at times, but the, the, the depths of terrible are so bad, and people just completely forgive them. Mm-hmm. Like, I would almost say that Phantom Menace, to me, is watchable, due to the fact that that fight scene is so good. But everything else is fucking atrocious. Yeah. There's nothing objectively good about Revenge of the Sith. It's all (laughs) bad. But there are certain sequences which look nice, but then have, like, basic fundamental logic flaws, like where they're fighting the volcano and those fucking, like... Star Wars logic flaws? What are you... I know, I completely disagree. (laughs) I think that the first three Star Wars movies have an inherently... Um, holistic logic. I think they absolutely do. And it can mostly be summed up to the Force. Yeah. It's a thing. Don't worry about it. It's the Force. I don't know. It's the yeah. Force. Well, you write comics, so you, you, need to, you, you probably know that somewhere in your comic you have to have some sort of magical catch-all. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if anything goes wrong, mm-hmm. so that now you know the comic book store guy can't like call yeah. you on it. Absolutely. It's like, oh, yeah. well, it's the Force. Yeah, it's, it's the Force, bro. <laughs> you, bro, did you even watch the movie, bro? What do you mean the Death Star blew up with one laser? It's <laughs> it's the Force, bro. Obs. I don't know if you knew this, but when you're making art, the most important thing is covering your ass. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's great for the creative process. Yeah, it's the best. In fact, you shouldn't even really make anything. You should just make um, excuses for why the thing that you're making is good. <laughs> You're not even telling a story. You're just telling people about a story that could be cool. Yeah, exactly. Popular opinion zine. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Hashtag, I- <laughs> hashtag popular opinion zine. Yeah, obviously. It's funny. Back in the day, I made a zine called Things That I Like um, But Are Somewhat Overrated. Mm-hmm. And that got people really upset. Because I-, I put it, I sort of couched it in the title that these are good things. 
but they're also overrated. Mm-hmm. So I had things in there like hummus, like Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. and people that I never got vitriol like I did from this scene. Mother- motherfuckers are <laughs> just like, fucking, she's a saint! No, she's great. She's great. Just slightly, slightly overrated. You know? Mm-hmm. 69ing. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Overrated a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I feel like, I feel like you have to, when you're making art, you have to have audience in mind. Is that a good moral? I don't know if I agree, but I think that you should be thinking about that, but also you shouldn't be acquiescing to that. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. Oh, wait, what, what do you, no, it doesn't make sense. What do you mean? I think there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's a difference between making a story and having the end result of that story in mind and making a story with the purpose of just appeasing the person who's reading it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's important to challenge people. Yeah. yeah but essentially, I feel like you're making, you're making a work of art for it to be consumed, you know? So you put sort of stuff in your journal that is not going to be consumed. And, you, and I, I know I just use that sort of stuff for idea generation. Mm-hmm. And then when you're trying to make a product that, or not even a product, just an end result that people are going to be sort of reading and ingesting, you have to have sort of their needs in mind. Needs in mind, yes, but not necessarily <laughs> fulfilling all those needs. Yeah. You know? Well, George Lucas took the notes, and he kind of wrote Jar Jar Banks out of the next couple of movies. <laughs> yeah, he did. I remember I saw a making of DVD, and, and when they were sort of just starting to make episode one, he was like, Jar Jar Banks is the key to this story. And he's going to be showing up a lot in the next sort of in the next ones. And then he instantly threw that out when he saw that like everybody fucking hated it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I I was listening to an interview with Ahmed Best, the actor who played Jar Jar, because that's what I do with my free time. Mm -hmm. And uh, he told this story about how he didn't even like that voice wasn't written to be that way. He did that because that's the voice that always made his nieces laugh. So they would, like, come and stay with him, and he would talk to them in that voice, mm-hmm. and, like, that was their, like, bedtime rituals. He would say dumb shit in that, like, Misa Tinka, like, you know, whatever. And so he's personally responsible for that. Which is so strange. I, re- I was, like, listening to that interview, and I was like, this is so fucking weird. <laughs> like, A, that poor guy, like, his career and... Probably life has been fundamentally altered by that. Mm-hmm. And also think about going into that. You're going to be in Star Wars. You're going to be in Star Wars, motherfucker. Yeah. Like you go into that thinking, I just won the fucking lottery. Mm-hmm. And it just shits all over you for the rest <laughs> of your life. And I'm sure that that guy still goes places. And, you know, people are like, are you? You're not. <laughs> are you sure he doesn't have to put the head on his head and then the visor on for people to recognize him? All I can say to that is that if Ahmed Best walked into Meltdown right now, I would know who he was. <laughs> I don't know if that's everybody, but yeah. I would know. Absolutely. So he, he just knows that he can't walk into comic book shops. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. part of his life. Yeah, yeah. He now. just goes to CrossFit gyms. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's in a recreational soccer league. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're safe there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good for you, Ahmed. Get that. Get that physical exercise. Get those endorphins. Yeah, I we're covering know. covering the important things. Absolutely. Scene. I remember yeah. I was listening to uh, Sandra's podcast. Yeah, yeah. And it was ninety percent X Files. <laughs> and I was like, this is the best podcast <laughs> of all time. Uh, I was so into it. Uh, speaking of, let's learn a little bit about you. About me. About you. Yeah. Where are you from? I'm from LA. 
I'm one of those oh, rare know. those rare natives here. Yeah. You meet less and less of them all the time. Yeah. I grew up in Boyle Heights, oh, okay. over in East LA. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is rapidly becoming hip now, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I'm sort of I have mixed feelings about that mm-hmm. because I don't like I, I don't like the sort of people who rent being kicked out, but I also do want coffee shops and bars. You know, there's like Previously, there was nowhere to get a good cup of coffee, and now there is. Mm-hmm. So if we could lock gentrification in to maybe like 15 20 to 25%, I feel like that would be perfect. Right. Um, Do you still live uh, in Boyle Heights? Uh, I still spend a lot of time there. I'm over in East Hollywood now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Word. So East, Ho- East Hollywood also is rapidly changing. Indeed. LA, just, LA, yep. LA in general is just yeah. like way different. I live right beneath there. I live over like where, by Westlake MacArthur Park, and they are building a fucking Target on the corner. And I'm like, I'm about to get fucked. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to get fucked mm-hmm. by this Target. Mm-hmm. You better hope you're in rent control, because that Target, those Target people are coming. For no you. shit, man. No shit. <laughs> it's funny. In East Hollywood, they started building a Target, mm-hmm. and they got 90% done, Aristotle knows, and they just said, like, oh, never mind. And so now there's just, like, a huge, hideous, half-built building there. Yeah, I know where that is. <laughs> on the corner of, like, is that on Vermont and... It's like Santa Monica. Santa Monica. And, and Western. Oh, Western. Yeah, Western yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that was, like... Like in the movies where someone's going to execute someone and then at the last minute someone's like, no, yeah, no, <laughs> Yeah. That happened to yeah. us with our... With and now you guys are living in the there. weird post-credit sequence where everyone's like standing on a roof of a building with their like jacket <laughs> flapping in the wind, staring yeah. at the empty Target building, being yeah. like, that's where Timmy was murdered. <laughs> the happy ending is I can sort of afford rent. Yeah, maybe yeah. <laughs> there's there's still, no, still no fucking parking here, but I can still not die. Um, that's great. Uh, I like how I parlayed that question about me into gentrification. It was good. Like that? That it was, was a pivot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you when you run for public office, I'm gonna I'm gonna exactly. vote for you on that on that zine money on that sweet sweet zine money. El Rey de zine doesn't run. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens. Yeah, it just happens. You just it's somehow miraculously get elected. It's a coup. Yeah, it's a you no, it's a write-in. It's a complete fucking write-in where you weren't even running and everyone just puts your name on the ballot. Yeah. And eventually if I get my stronghold, I can uh hold like farce elections like Putin. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. A lot of I have the Putin uh, playbook. Yeah, a yeah. A lot of my zine. Yeah, a Putinian zine paradigm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh did you uh, did you go to school here in LA? Yeah, I went over to I went to Euclid, which is a local school in Boyle Heights, which was interesting for elementary school. To open charter school and laces over on the west side. Hmm. For uh, these are all things that mean nothing to you. It's okay. <laughs> it doesn't have to mean anything to me. I'm not the only one that listens to the podcast. Yeah, Aristotle, are you from LA? Yeah, are you not allowed to talk? Is there like a I mean, contract? He, no, he can talk. I, he just yeah. doesn't just, usually. <laughs> Aristotle, you were one of my first subscribers, actually. Was that it was, really? It was very early on, yeah. I remember subscribing, I believe it was the Holocene Mount. Yes, yeah, that was, what, late 2015? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. So good good on you, man. Yeah, Every, every when I put together the shipments, it's, I always used to see your name. There you go. <laughs> The podcast audience are hearing a one-sided conversation right now. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of shrugging shrugging going on. 
I feel like that's a constant, though, for him. <laughs> he just plays the I'm pretty and I'm quiet card, like, all the time. It's a little frustrating where I'm like, come on, man. We all know you're attractive. You don't need to rub it in our faces. Come on, Aristotle. Head shaking is what we're getting Fucking, right We now. get it. You have moral superiority. You're a vegan. You're really attractive. You have great facial hair. And oh. your dogs are really cool, all right? You're a vegan, too? Oh, man. I agree that my dogs are really cool. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Did you just turn on a microphone over there? This is like a this is like a professional radio type thing where like the 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 whatever the producer comes in and does like a little one liners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just appreciate that he doesn't have the like <laughs> or the sound of shattering glass or like the womp womp womp. You know you you talk shit about that, but I think it maybe has a place. <laughs> uh, can we do? I have my favorite is the Price Is Right losing horn. so uh yeah if i can i'm gonna as el rey de zine i'd like to uh just request yeah and when he requests something it's actually more of a threat so (laughs) if the next time there's not one of those fucking horns it's gonna be a real problem (laughs) james comey's gonna come in here and be like i'm trying to be fair to el rey de zine but he did threaten my family Did you see that Comey thing? Fuck yeah, I did. That was ridiculous. I watched all three hours of that thing, and I was riveted. I watched all three hours, but on 1.5 speed on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. It makes me upset that some people can just be so, like, professional, and, like, you can tell that they're really good at their jobs, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's just like, oh, this is what FBI directors are like, where, like, they have an answer for everything, and they're just, like, shitting on people, but in a way where no one can be upset. Mm -hmm. So that's that's my life goal. I mean, you're you're working your way there. I believe in you. (laughs) You know? I'm totally enthralled. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. Let's start this zine empire. I will, yeah, just tell me where to march. I'll go. You're invited. You want to pick up a title, though? Duke? Um, Duke Empresario de Zine? (laughs) Consigliere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can be the Tom Higgin to your (laughs) fucking uh, Michael Corleone. Yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, positions are wide open right now. It's mostly just me. (laughs) Just you and a bunch of subscribers, yeah. Yeah, does that mean that uh, Aristotle's going to be our Luca Brazzi? (laughs) Oh, no, but that means you die quickly in the first movie. Yeah, put in some well-timed shrugs on this. Yeah. Oh, 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 yes, oh my god, so amazing, so amazing, Uh, Aristotle, that's why, that's why you're Aristotle, it's true, yeah, it's true, it's spectacular, um, that's so fucking stupid, I love love that we spent (laughs) ten minutes talking about this, um, when was the first time that you found zines? So my brother bought me one, uh, I had to have been maybe 12, it was by Brendan Monroe. He's not really in the game anymore, um, he was an awesome artist out of Oakland. And he did this one called The Sour Crop, I think. It's about this sort of root that unroots himself and like causes mischief and does sort of weird stuff. And I knew, I knew then, I didn't really know what it was, but the medium is just incredible. And you can tell that, like, so much work goes into choosing every single little piece of it. Like, the colors and the art and the paper and everything about it was just sort of rad. And so later, when I, when I was older and, like, LA Zine Fest started happening, I went there and I was like, well, this is something that is cool 
and is sort of what's cool about it is it's sort of democratizing you know mm-hmm. people just there's not really any barrier to entry so there's all sorts of people of all sorts of different um viewpoints and backgrounds and they just do their own thing and there's not really any um people telling them that they can't you know yeah that's the because it was two weeks ago or so here in la and that was the like the best part of it was just wandering around and seeing people that i knew but also people that i didn't know but i was just like oh man i never would have thought that you would make the thing that you make which sounds so open-ended of a statement but you know what i mean we're like you see somebody on the street and you're like oh i bet you're a vaguely artistic person but wandering around zine fest it's so great because there's like you're saying it's it's like thirty dollars for a fucking table or whatever Mm -hmm. and most people can afford that and most people can afford to make some shitty xeroxed thing and it's nice because all of the people who attend the show understand that that's like that's the common vernacular like they're not there to be like where's deadpool yeah they're there for like where's the weird shitty thing that Mm -hmm. you made uh in 15 minutes Mm -hmm. or that you slaved over for two years um I I love that show so much. It was so fucking positive. It was so great. Yeah, my favorite are the real like the real niche stuff. You know, like there's there's all sorts of ones about movies that I've never seen and there's one oh that I picked up recently was it's about it's like a conspiracy zine that puts forth the sort of theory that um Kurt Cobain is lactose intolerant and that led like ser- put in a series of events that led to his death ultimately interesting and so i i started reading it and i thought it was a joke and then as i kept reading i was like she's on to something (laughs) this is totally what happened and so the fact that she put that together with like probably the idea that like two people would read it Mm -hmm. and now thousands of people are reading it is that's like the coolest thing ever fuck yeah yeah so oh, oh, let me let me go through it okay yes you know that's what i was leading towards i was about to be like all right you got to break this down (laughs) i don't yeah. So he wrote in a lot of his like diaries, I think maybe in a couple of his songs, he was talking about like constant stomach pain. Yeah, because he had a stomach problem, yeah, right? Yeah, he had a stomach problem. Yeah. And so, uh, and she, she broke out some statistics saying that like the leading cause of stomach pain in, people's, in people that age is the fact that they're lactose intolerant just recently and mm-hmm. they haven't figured it out. Hmm. So he's going through sort of incredible pain on a regular basis because he's drinking milk and has no idea that he's lactose intolerant. And that led to a lot of the opiate abuse that he was doing to sort of relieve that pain. Mm-hmm. And all of those sort of drugs and that pain eventually led to him, to his death. So It's fucked up. It's <laughs> fucked up. So if there's anything that people can um, take away from this podcast is that if you have stomach aches, yo, just chill on that milk. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't fuck with the milk. No, no. Just don't. Yeah, stay away from cake. <laughs> <laughs> Ice cream. Ice cream. Nothing. Nothing. Just yeah. don't fuck with the milk. PSA. Yes. <laughs> Believe that. <laughs> <laughs> this video brought to you by El Rey Disney. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. So that's my number one sort of cause mm-hmm. that I'm championing is, <laughs> is, <laughs> is lactose awareness. <laughs> Yeah, I do want to talk about another cause that I'm super down with. Yes, um, but this one's actually real. Okay, <laughs> is it zines? It is zines. Yeah. Okay. So um, in that package that I just gave you is yes. a zine by Aki Ra. He's this um, guy that I went when I was traveling in um, um, Asia. I went to Cambodia mm-hmm. and I went to the the Cambodian Landmine Museum, 
and they had these pamphlets, the mm-hmm. autobiography of Aki Ra. And I saw it, and I was like, this is a zine, and you guys have no idea that this is a zine. They're just trying to put information out there in a cost-effective way. Um, so I bought a bunch of them. It's, a, it's autobiography of a guy who, he was a child soldier in, in the Cambodian Civil War. Mm-hmm. And he was constri- conscripted by sort of all sides. Like, he would be captured, and then he'd have to fight for the other side. And his main job was planting landmines. Um, and so he... And all, a lot of those landmines are still there today. So there's like 5 million unexploded landmines in Cambodia. Uh, so there's whole areas of it, Cambodia that could be developed, and they just say no because there's landmines there. So right. the people only sort of chill in areas that are well-trodden. Mm-hmm. And so this guy devoted his sort of whole adult life to clearing all the landmines they had planted in his youth. Wow. And so he has this whole big um, sort of organization, the Cambodian Landmine Relief Center, slash orphanage uh, and he and so what I do is I help distribute his zine for him and I sort of raise money and send that all back so that they can start clearing uh, like land for farming or like whatever the people there are down with yeah um, it's, it's an incredible story if you ever uh, feel like you're in too much of good mood you should read that because it's a good antidote for yes. that sort of thing yeah fuck it, being happy <laughs> Um, so yeah, but, so it's it's an amazing cause, and you guys should all look it up because it's something that's like a real life problem that people are facing like right now today. Um, the uh, the fact that it's also in a zine is super cool because it's all like, did he write this? Who wrote it? Yeah, he wrote it. It's a, yeah. it's his autobiography. So he wrote his life story. Um, it's fascinating. Uh, not not many people know about what's up with uh, Pol Pot. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert: Pol Pot's a douchebag. not a great guy you know um and so yeah it's his whole life story and how he grew up and how he made a change and how he decided to like devote his life to like making a positive change Mm -hmm. and if anybody needs the help it's cambodia yeah this is great i love these photos too Mm-hmm. These are super nice. Yeah, you can tell they've been they've been Xeroxed two million times. Two million times, yeah. For <laughs> real. Yeah. Um, I also love the the scrawled in pen page numbers <laughs> at the top because somebody was like, fuck, how do we paginate this thing? Yeah, I feel like what, your first inclination is let's do a zine. And then when you, d- when you discover what a bitch it is to get page numbers, yep. <laughs> get the pages all in one. Yep. That's when that's your first hurdle that you have to go over. I feel Absolutely. like that's that's the number one uh, thing that's stopping zines from advancing right now is just uh, page numbering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I also like the fact that, uh, and I, I actually mean this seriously. This is going to sound sarcastic, but I like the fact that uh, the coloring for the zine cover is the same. It's like a, a a light yellow, which is the same color that all of the religious institutions in LA. <laughs> Like the lower income Hispanic Catholic oh, branch, yeah. they always hand out pamphlets that are like, you know, mm-hmm. live in Christ or Satan is evil. And it's yeah. always this color, yeah. which is uh, probably not intended to be a usurp- <laughs> usurpation of the, uh, you know, religious uh, proliferation of, you know, mind control and indoctrination. Mm-hmm. But that's how I'm going to take it. <laughs> it's him uh, not only trying to make the world a better place through uh, landmine clearing, but also through uh, repurposing religion's uh, iconography for his own uses. <laughs> there you go. I actually didn't I didn't make that connection. That's really interesting. I always take the pamphlets. 
always really pamphlets. Yeah, because you never know like what you're gonna. I I love zines that were not made to be zines. You I know? agree. Because people, if you want to, if you want to put information out there, like you you can invent zines and not know about zines. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so especially yeah, all the religious people. There's a lot of. Uh, political activism stuff mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. veganism stuff aristotle there's <laughs> <laughs> there's all sorts of things and those are like those are always like some of my favorites i mean i never yeah i won't i won't don't worry i won't put them in xenomatic <laughs> but i always always pick them up and you should too because there's 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 design ideas there oh there's, yeah there's no ideas i there to mine that you, you the last time of. uh i got one i was in the only ones i don't take are when it's like a sheet of paper I hate the sheet of paper. Pamphlet, yeah. Like, throw this away from me, please. Yeah, like mm-hmm. fuck you, man. You can't even fold it. <laughs> At least fold it so there's like a weird, like maybe I want to see what's inside question that's not being said. But a piece of paper, <laughs> man. Step your game up. Yeah. <laughs> fucking eleven by seventeen Kinkos, fucking douche. Um, no, but uh, uh, the last one I got, I was in New York, and there was a, uh, a, a an elderly Asian woman who was handing out these really tiny, like this big, like one inch um, zines, and she was handing them out. She was handing them out, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to take one for the, the exact reason that you just said." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I took it, and it was I don't know how she made it, but it was like a a tiny book that had one staple in it, which seems so hard to do. Yeah. Like, that seems... Why would you cut that many times? Why would you put one staple? Like, it just... But it was a full, tiny book about how the apocalypse was going to happen in 2015 or 2014. And how uh, the only way to save the entirety of humanity was to accept Jesus into your life. And it was Mm -hmm. this very standard, you know, (laughs) Jeebus argument. But, you know, it was... was, and the 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 fact that it was a one state staple tiny book that was like the size of a Barbie was amazing. Yeah, there's definitely yeah, there's an effort that you have to see that people are putting into these. No things. shit. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're trying to brainwash me, like at least like you gotta get put in some effort to that. Yeah, you know. There's a there's a guy that always dances on the corner by my house of like Alvarado and. Don't tell third. people where you live. Well, that's not where I live. That's where he dances. He dances okay. on the corner, like, by the park mm-hmm. uh, on Alvarado and 3rd-ish, or Alvarado and 6th-ish. And he, uh, he, uh, he has a giant fuck-off cross, and he has a, one of those, like, pebble beats, and nice. it's always playing Jesus music, and he, like, dances for, like, hours. Mm-hmm. And there's part of me that's, like, deeply saddened by the amount of internal strife that that human is obviously still going through because of said religion but there's also part of me that's like man i gotta respect the game dude you're out there for 12 hours in los angeles like direct sunlight Mm -hmm. like your body's got to be fucked up from dancing for 12 hours yeah i i wonder about that though because like i think of like the kind of motor i have to sort of do my do you know and i think about whether if i believed if i truly believed that all the people around me were going to hell and like would like burn in fire for eternity, like yeah, I'd devote I'd devote my life to saving those people like from being like poked by Satan forever, <laughs> you know? Right. And so like if you look at their viewpoint, it's just like like obviously like obviously you're out there sending out <laughs> zines because like I don't want to like be poked by Satan forever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So really, uh, I have a certain amount of, of uh, I see where they're coming from, you know? And that's why I take the pamphlet. And then I only mock it a little bit. 
Uh, I'm not going to lie, though. I can't take the, the like, super homophobic ones. Yeah. Those ones really... Yeah. I was in... Last time that happened, I was in uh, Vegas, and some guy was screaming something along the effects of, you know, faggots burning hell or whatever, and I got into, like, a fight with him, which was not... It wasn't a good look on me. Sure, I shouldn't be picking fights with people for saying things. But it was just so unconscionable to me that yeah. in the, this day, well, I mean, but, well in, pre, in a pre-Trump day, mm-hmm. that people were that crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, it bums me. It's making me angry just thinking about it right now. Yeah. Like, I just, let's talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh, God. What do you, do you think that, do you think that it's, it's possible for people to change their minds? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Really? I do. And I, I, th- I think it absolutely is possible, but I think it's not possible by the way that I was going about it. Mm-hmm. It's not, you, you have to sit down and talk with someone and actually like, treat them like a human being. I think when you start with, in a place of anger, that's all that anybody can see. Yeah. And that was me being a small person and being angry and being like, why are you yelling this in public, you fucking bigot? Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, I, th- I think absolutely. If there was, if there was somebody who had a vastly different lifestyle than me and thought that I was the devil, and if I spent enough time with them, they wouldn't think I was the devil. Yeah, you know, or yeah. like if they, you know, comics are evil, <laughs> and then they saw how hard they are to make, they're like, eh, I guess they're not that evil. <laughs> they're just well, some of them are evil, but not most of them are not. Most of them are pretty cool. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, zines are the devil. Are they really though? Are they really? I was reading about this guy. Oh, I forgot where it was, but it, there was a local KKK chapter in mm-hmm. his town, and what he did to combat that was go down there and like hang out and mm-hmm. like do like nice things for them and treat them like kindly and like be a uh, be like something that showed them that their stereotypes were wrong mm-hmm. and actually like it worked like mm-hmm. the KKK chapter just kind of like lost all its steam and dispersed yeah uh itself. they made a documentary about him and it's on netflix right now yeah i hope um, i didn't i didn't butcher that story no that's exactly much. the story that's exactly <laughs> the story yeah and it's it's really interesting too because in the documentary like the first three-fourths of it are that where it's just mm-hmm. example after example of this man going into like the literal belly of the beast and just being like what's up guys <laughs> like just fucking owning these bigots by just being cool and yeah. then at the end of it there's this really tense interview where there's two um black lives matter activists talking to him about the state of like policing in america right now which dovetails into why are you wasting your time on those bigots why aren't you helping us mm-hmm. and it's riveting it's it's and i can see it from both sides i can understand why if you know, you were in a position where you were like, I'm literally being shot. Why are you wasting your time with those motherfuckers? Come help me not get shot. Yeah. Um, like I, but it, yeah, it's, it's a, I don't remember the name of the documentary shit. Um, but it's really what, good. What can we learn from that? Can I just like go up to Trump and be like, hey, what's up, buddy? Like, come on. Like, what, what are you thinking of all of this stuff? But see, like, I think that's a different conversation because he's in a position of power that's been affirmed by concretely by millions of people Mm -hmm. that's a different conversation like i don't think hitler is going to change his mind because he's had too much reinforcement yeah there's no human connection there to be made because you're just a sea a face in a sea of people yeah but for a one-to-one like a ku klux klan member or a Mm -hmm. you know uh you know a, a crazy islamist person who is somehow you end up 
finding yourself in a <laughs> coffee shop having a conversation being like, hey yeah. please don't blow this up yeah you know like that's i think that's a different conversation mm-hmm. so it's gonna yeah trump has gotten too much positive reinforcement he's like well being an asshole has kind of worked out mm-hmm. pretty fantastically for me, for me so yeah and and it's yeah. enriching all of my parents or uh, mm-hmm. uh children and and yeah. we're all getting stupid breaded because of my so we might have to wait till that pee-pee tape comes out. Oh, and then man. it's just like a come-to-Jesus moment. Oh, just man. Like, oh, when the pee-pee tape comes out, that's when he's going to be open I just to want, some suggestions. I just want there to be an actual tape of the conversation between Comey and, <laughs> and Trump where he's like, you know, uh, talking about letting the Flynn thing go. Yeah. Because he's threatened that there's a tape, which is so asinine. <laughs> like, what? Why would you say that there's proof of you looking like an asshole? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of proof of that. There is no, <laughs> I mean, no, concrete, tangible evidence yeah. that he obstructed justice. Yeah. Like, that uh, is. And it's also like, didn't you, like, did he read the Nixon playbook? And it was just like, you know, some of these ideas are all right. You know, yeah. this, guy, this guy did it all right. Like, he, he has to have known that that's not going to work. I, I guess maybe is that a lack of self-awareness? Yeah. Where he's just like, no, I'm always right. I need to tape things so when people are wrong, I can show them. Not being aware of the fact that, like, he's a habitual liar and constantly contradicts himself. Yeah. So I always try to I always try to get in other people's minds and see their viewpoints so that I can, like, try to understand it. And Trump is one of those people, like, where I can't get in his mindset. Because I have too much of this, like, voice in my own head where, like, oh, was I an asshole? Mm-hmm. And I don't think Trump has ever felt, like... <laughs> had that moment of self-awareness where you're just like, did I do something wrong? I, th- I think that maybe people like that are just two different you species. You mean from... uh, white privilege, I think, is the <laughs> technical term? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. There has to be a solution here somewhere, and we're going to come We're gonna come to it today, probably, right now. Yes, right here, you and me. You and me. <laughs> the Zine Podcast. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about X-Files now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a big X-Files person? Because you brought it up like three times. Which no. is either you being an X-Files person and generally want to talk about it, or you passive-aggressively talking shit at me for not talking enough about zines on the zine podcast. No, I think because the first, because I know Sandra, and the first one I listened to was was Sandra's podcast, and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> so like that that's that's sort of the view that I have coming into here. It's just Word. like... And it's it's there's only so much zine ground you can cover. You it, it's kind of weird. That's what I've discovered while doing this. I thought it wasn't going to be that hard, mm-hmm. but it's really strange. Yeah, because it's kind of like this weird open ended portal where zine is just kind of the conduit to whatever the person's uh, interest is. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the name of the documentary is Accidental Courtesy. Oh, nice! Um, it's really good. It's on Netflix right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fascinating, both just as a like document of this man's life and him being a musician and um you know making a living as a musician is fucking impossible and he has uh but also uh like we were talking about finding a middle ground with crazy fuck off bigots (laughs) yeah um so um, what is some zine ground that you haven't covered yet Long arm staplers? Can we talk about that? Because that's the The, second big hurdle after you figure out the pages you're like this doesn't fit in my stapler yeah those yeah. are the two big things. You yes. Know? So I feel like if we could just if we could come up with like an onboarding system where we just like figure out pagination for you and then also hook you up with like a twelve dollars stapler, I yeah. feel like we could get so many more voices up yeah. in the zine community. Uh, I've started making zines with my with my next door neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, they're four, six, nine, and eleven. Yes. 
and uh, they're fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, the youngest one, who's fucking adorable, all he wants to do is draw Pokemon. So everybody, like, we basically do this thing where we make stories where one of us will kind of draw something and then the next person will add on to it or they'll draw another panel and then, you know. So they're kind of like hybrid comics jam drawings, sort of. Yeah. Um, but Adrian, the youngest kid, never wants to do that. He's just like, I'm going to draw Pikachu. <laughs> and then he'll look at me expectantly with, like, these really big, beautiful eyes and he's like, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, here's my phone. You can find a picture of a Pikachu on my phone and draw it from my phone. And he's like... Thank you. And then he'll sit there for five minutes quietly drawing this fucking thing. And then it'll keep going around. It'll come back to him. And we're like, all right, so the dinosaur is stepping on the building and there's a flame. And what do you want? What are you going to add to this, Adrian? Um, I want to draw a Pokemon. <laughs> kids, Every time. Kids zines are amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's so cool. Like, yeah, other viewpoints. You see people who, yeah, they don't have any concept of, you know, oh, I'm not going to do this because it's going to be shitty. Or mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do because they just do it and figure it out on the way. I remember seeing on the internet there was a scene called The Fart That Killed Everybody. Oh, yes. Six, the six-year-old. Yeah, and I was like, th- I have never wanted to read anything more. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I made a zine about a, a gopher okay. named Art. Mm-hmm. And he was like the classic sort of anthropomorphic animal character. Mm-hmm. But the twist was that since he was a gopher, nothing interesting happened in his life. So <laughs> <laughs> So you were just like chilling, like in a hole in the ground, uh-huh. and it was page after page of him just like in a hole in the ground, and nothing interesting was happening. This is amazing. <laughs> I really hope that you start like self-promoting yourself by just putting that zine into every one of these fucking submissions. Yeah, it's even better when it's coming from like a little kid too, because like you're just seeing like why would like why would anyone. Think of this as something like that you would want to put to paper. That is so fucking great. Yeah, I wonder if I, I might still have some copies somewhere. You uh, you were so far ahead of the curve, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's like Seinfeld. A yeah. zine about nothing. About nothing. <laughs> it's a gopher. <laughs> Aristotle, get on that bass riff. The yeah. <laughs> you know what's gonna happen is Jerry Seinfeld's gonna hear this because he's a regular listener of the show. He's a big yeah. zinester. I don't know if you know this or not. Mm-hmm. And Jerry's going to option. Uh, your art the gopher zine and turn it into a series that he's going to star in with like practical makeup where they put a fucking gopher head on Jerry Seinfeld. I'd be so into it. Or he'll send us a cease and desist letter from talking about him. Right. (laughs) One of those two. Yeah. He's like, I already have a gopher show in development right now. It's called Arturo the gopher. (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) Um, Wait. So, what about what about you, Dave Baker? What about me? So, like, I go to I go to um, all the Zine Fests, right? Mm-hmm. And it's you and Rachel Dukes. You two are the ones that are always, always, <laughs> always there, and that's so cool because like the not a lot of artists have that motor, that motor behind them to like mm-hmm. actually go through that on a regular basis. Yeah, I just got back from uh, Canada. I was in Canada for ten days. I went nice. to TCAF and VanCAF. Uh, and I actually, today was the first day in a long time where I got sent an application for a zine fest. And I was like, I think I'm not going to do this one. Because <laughs> we, have, we have two shows in August and we have three shows in September. Uh, and two of the September shows are travel shows, one to England and one to Maryland. And uh, we got asked to be at, I think it's called like the Art Republic Zine Fest. Hmm. I don't remember. Where's that? 
I don't remember. It's in Anaheim, I mm. think. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was a one-day show, and I was like, oh, that could be fun. Yeah, let's do... I should make stuff. Because <laughs> I'm working on my next book right now, and uh, it's really surprising how quickly those days just get eaten up, and you're like, wow, it's been six months, and I've only drawn, you know, insert number of pages here. Mm-hmm. I want this fucking book done. <laughs> No, yeah. I want it done so badly. If, if if I went to a zine fest and you weren't there, I'd assume you were dead. Oh! <laughs> I'd just be like, "What happened? Like yeah. something horrible has obviously happened." Obviously, just quit quit some of those like the non-local shows you can skip. <laughs> if, if you're not at every single zine fest in the greater LA area, yeah, it's just it's not you, man. Uh, you it's know, you. Uh, I hate that you're telling me this <laughs> because now I'm genuinely reconsidering it, and I'm like, oh, but my idea is so tied into this. <laughs> I have to be grinding at every show, selling fucking comics to people who... How do you do it, like, socially? Like, I like I, people. I, you like people? I love people. Oh, well, there's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I feel like there's there's a certain amount of, like, zine fest that you can take, and that, for me, is, like, two and a half hours. Mm. You know? And so that's why I've stopped. I've basically stopped tabling everywhere. Do you find that that impacts the amount of readership that Xenomatic has? Not at all. We're so well social media. Everything mm-hmm. we do is through social media. Um, and also like if you're at a Zinefest and you're like, hey, you wanna sign up for my service? People are like, Yeah, I kinda do. Like, do you wanna take out your credit card and like put the information into this form? No. Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> you know? So uh, my thing is like people sign up in their underwear at home and that's just like the native Xenomatic environment. So every interaction that people have with Xenomatic is when they're in their underwear, mm. which is, that's an important part. That me learning that was important. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I like I like going to shows. I like it a lot. Primarily because, you know, you spend so much time alone, you know, mm-hmm. making this bullshit that mm-hmm. it's really, really cathartic to be able to be like, this is my idea and it's weird and crazy and you're a, you know, white straight woman from Nebraska and you look at me like I'm an alien, but you're also kind of intrigued. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that's a very fun... I'm also kind of like, you know, my mom owns a theater company, so I'm a pretty dumb theatrical person where I'm, like, singing and I like talking to people and, you know, it's 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 fun for me. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. You're extroverted. You're I'm into very, it. I am an extrovert. You're into it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that yeah. makes sense because you have yeah. fun. You have fun when you go. Yeah. Yeah. There's no amount of drugs that I could do. To <laughs> <me>. <laughs> that doesn't exist in the world that I could, like, be able to do that. Yeah. But good on you, man. Yeah. And also you got those touch points in. You know, people recognize you. People know you. You you and Rachel Duke are like the zine people in terms of who I see all the time. I mean, I hope that gets us somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I love Rachel. I think her shit's fucking great. Yeah. Um, her branding is on point. Dude, I look at her and I'm just like, your shit is cohesive. Yep. Your shit's awesome. She's like, yeah. I, those I, Frankie comics are fucking great. Yes. They're She's really a, good. a great writer and a great artist. And I hope that, you know there's a Frankie movie and an animated series and I hope she gets stupid breaded and I hope that she stops talking to me because she's just hanging out with Ryan Gosling and Anna Ferris. I don't know. If anyone can do it, I mean, I feel like there's a lot, there's a lot to be said for making quality work and both of you guys do that, but there's a lot to be said for people who just like get out there and fucking do it, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And, and you gotta be one of those people is like movers and shakers. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's something though that dovetails right into why I think, cinematic i wish there was something like that um for comics or even 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 a step further than cinematic like i wish that there was an actual distribution model like 
I understand that it's very in vogue right now for blind box things. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie, culturally, I really don't like blind box things. <laughs> I can see, I can see that. You're allowed to say that. Yeah, they yeah. are very. They, I think they're predatory, and I think they inhibit or they uh, accentuate the worst parts of consumer culture, specifically in nerd culture right now, where there's this kind of like, I don't have to have any sort of specificity, uh, and I um, um I I relish the fact that. Um, I'm going to be exposed to things that I basically already know what they are, but they're going to be just different enough that it's going to be surprising, as mm-hmm. opposed to somebody who actually has to go out and do the work. Yeah. Like, this is not necessarily your blind box service. I'm talking more <laughs> about, like, yeah. we have a Marvel exclusive month where, oh, check it out, yeah. there's going to be 17 little tchotchkes that have Iron Man on them, and mm-hmm. uh, you love Iron Man, right? <laughs> Yeah, loot crate is a nightmare. We can we can agree on that. Loot crate is is yeah. a disaster. That's that's mostly what I mean when I say blind box services because yeah. there there are versions of that for comics and for horror movies and there's like you know it's loot crate is such a you know machine at this point that there are all these weird spinoffs. Yeah, well I'm glad that you brought this up and shit out of my industry because there is something <laughs> that I want to <laughs> that I want to sort of address with that is that sort of. Um, I feel like, especially with with something as like varied as zines, you sort of get into something that you're into, and you don't branch out from that very much. So some people are into sort of the lowbrow comics type stuff. Some people are into the poetry type stuff, photography type stuff, and they don't get a broader, cohesive view of like what's going on in the zine community at the time. And I think that's sort of having a blind box and not knowing sort of what you're getting, sort of does really does expose you to more different kinds of art and so you kind of get to know what stuff you're into that you maybe would have never looked up on etsy or bought at the at the at the zine fest so it is a double-edged sword because you do have to kind of when you're when you're buying zines you have to get things that most people would maybe be interested in um so there's not horrendously radical stuff that i can put in the box uh, but there is a, a sort of a wide range of things, and I think that I'm broadening people's horizons rather than sort of nailing them down into a box. I think there's also a difference, if I were to play devil's advocate against the point I just made. Yes. Uh, there's a difference between what you're doing, which is a blind box service for a medium, mm-hmm. and a blind box service for, do you like an intellectual property? You know what I mean? Like, there's, hey, do you want a bunch of shit centered around, you know, uh in the fucking Pete Holmes. Do you want a bunch of a t-shirt and the, he, I don't think that's a real thing. I just saw his Pete face. Pete Holmes subscription box? <laughs> I just saw his oh face. That's God. all. That's why I Don't release it. this box. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be too many people with that million dollar idea Pete Holmes subscription you know what, box. You know what I'm saying though? Yeah. Like, there's a difference yeah. between like I vaguely like this uh, or Star Wars. Like I love Star Wars. Give me Star Wars dog tags and a Star Wars novel and some Star Wars variant covers to some shitty comic that I don't really want to read, mm-hmm. and I will give you fifty dollars. There's a difference between that and what you're doing. Yeah, I would say. Well, there's a, yeah, there's a difference in the sort of convert the churn rate. So yes. you can tell if people are down with what you're doing and if you're actually like providing something of value is if people stay signed up for longer periods of time. So my churn rate is is much much lower than most people's in the in the sort of subscription box industry. So people who subscribe stay on for a very long time. So that means that it's not I'm 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 putting stuff out there that um sort of provides value to people's life rather than collecting those horrible big-headed statues. What are those called? Monies? No. Monies? Mighty mugs? M- yeah, those big, those stupid big-headed yeah. statues you know what they are, that are in every mugs? single... Pops. Pop- yeah. yeah, thank you, yeah. yeah. 
They're only like the they're like the fifth generation of that idea. So at this point, I'm like, I don't fucking know those things. The uh, the twenty the 2017 version of Beanie Babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I feel like I, I uh, point taken about all that stuff, and mm-hmm. I hope uh, to get even better about sort of branching out into things that are even more sort of radical than the things that I'm doing right now. Like. Do you see it growing past being a blind box service and being like a diamond style uh, distribution model to get zines in bookstores or other places? Yeah, I've I've talked to a couple bookstores, and the problem is that they are very they have a lot. It's 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 a complicated thing to break into retail space. Um, so I, yeah, I'm interested in sort of broadening uh, where people can get zines, but I think that sort of the the needs and wants of all the of all these individual comic book stories like I'm never going to be able to meet sort of what they're what sure. they're going to do. So right now right now I'm at, at capacity for projects that Right, I'm, right, I'm of course. On. No, yeah. yes, of course. So the, yeah, so I have I have the full-time job, I have the Xenomatic, and then I'm also starting this startup uh, it's called Lumium. It brings virtual reality to the elderly and people with limited mobility. Hmm. So we're we, we're uh, going to different um, retirement communities around Los Angeles, and we're bringing uh, virtual reality to people who don't usually get out of their communities. Mm. And so, like, if people can't see, like, the outside world, we bring sort of, like, travel videos, other, like, virtual reality experiences to them. Mm. And so, yeah, so my time is sort of split between Xenomatic and just, like, this crazy virtual reality project that I'm doing to try to, like, help people who are sort of bedridden. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds like an incredibly worthwhile thing to do with your time, <laughs> and I sound sarcastic, but that's just because that's the way I always sound. Like I'm, I mean that genuinely. Like that, that sounds like a really beautiful thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Part of it is that I love getting into things that are a lot of work but don't make much money. Oh, that's my. <laughs> that's one of my oh. main. My uh, main. I hobbies. make comics and zines. So I don't really know what that's like. We I'm just in rolling com- in money. <laughs> just rolling in it. Yeah. Wait, Dave Baker, what do you do on the side besides uh, comics? My my day gig, you mean? Yeah, what's your day uh, job? My day job is that I work in the movie picture, movie and Ooh, picture industry. Fancy. Yeah, writing. Writing. Typey, typey, type, type, type. What, what have you been writing recently? Uh, I will tell you off the air because it hasn't been announced. Hush, hush. Yeah, uh, I've also been working on a documentary, which has been fun. And uh, I got right now. I'm right now. The current project is uh, an animated thing. Cool. Um, yes. Badass. Yes. Is it the tick? No. How cool would that be? <laughs> that would be That'd amazing. be fucking rad. I would love that. Um, no. Can I, can I guess until you get fired? No. By me guessing correctly. No, but no. I will tell you as soon as we're not recording. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, what's your day gig, Noah? What's my day gig? So I work for, uh, I sort of split my time between two sort of sister companies. One is Composite Components Company, which is a green screen company, and the other is Pickfair Institute for Cinematic Studies, which is a film research nonprofit. Oh, cool. So I do sort of like online and like tech tech stuff for them. And I also do research on high frame rate and how you can use high frame rate sort of in different ways to get different cool stuff in post production, like changing shutter angles, that sort of thing. Mm. So a lot of times when I talk about my job, I can see the the life slowly drain out of people's face. Mm. And I see they're like, it's either they're confused or just like, if they understand it, they're still completely uninterested. Mm. (laughs) Or there's that one chubby guy at a party who's like, oh, best friend mode now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Most of the time, that guy tells me how much he hates high frame rate. (laughs) Mm. Which is hilarious because that's the first thing that was going to, I was like, nope, choke it back, choke it back, choke it back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of things that I say either come with boredom or, or vitriol. Vitriol. Yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. Uh, yeah, it's fine. You know, I'm not. I'm not gonna judge you. We all gotta make our money. <laughs> but also, if we could just never release a movie in 48 FPS ever again, I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not get into it. <laughs> This is going to be a very friendly podcast. We got good vibes here. Yes. Aristotle's bringing the good vibes in the corner. Mm-hmm. Lots of nods coming from over there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He's just emanating attractiveness and uh, and gentility. The veganism. His, yeah. his skin looks great. Oh Aristotle. my god. Fucking not a blemish in sight. Fuck yeah. that blemish. Fuck you, that blemish. You haven't eaten bacon in years. I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Yes. Uh. Well. I, yeah. I didn't know that about you. I don't. I guess we haven't had all that many personal conversations. We usually no. are just like, "Hey, how are you liking the Z Fest today?" <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, we've had we've had maybe ten two minute conversations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they've all been like, "Zines are cool. Zines are cool. How's it going? Good. Okay." <laughs> That's about the nature of our friendship. Yeah. yeah. The, um, but, the great thing about Zine Fest is that um, all of your interactions are one of five. Mm-hmm. Five things that people oh, yeah. talk about. Oh yeah. So you get to really seem like you're clever because you've had this conversation 32 times, mm-hmm. and so you get you need to you can put in those like one-liners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I like that. I like when my social interactions have been sort of scripted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, especially with you know some of the stuff we sell is you know geared specifically to have a conversation. So someone comes up to the table and they're like, "Fuck Stan Lee." Why fuck Stan Lee on this pin? And then I go into my five-minute spiel about Stan Lee, and I get to look really smart for 30, 30 seconds or whatever. And then, you okay. know, they're like, oh, but he but- was in the Marvel movies. Yeah, because he won a lawsuit, and they're contractually <laughs> obligated to put him in those movies. You don't like Stan Lee? Oh, my God. If we never had this conversation? <laughs> All right, we're keeping it friendly here. Oh, man. I won't bring up Stan Lee if you won't bring up how much you hated The Hobbit. Okay. All right. That's good. <laughs> I don't even really hate The Hobbit. I just hate how it looks because <laughs> 48 FPS. it looks like a soap opera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, I, oh, I'm interested in your zine. What, what, there's a, the, your zeniest one with the guy. Is it not the hospital one? Oh, Professor Cutie? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Hit me up on the DM about that. All right. Good. <laughs> yeah, I just put out the third one. No way. It's called Professor Cutie's Tries to Date. And mm-hmm. Professor Cuties, who's a diminutive college professor who falls on hard times and has to move into a single-bedroom apartment with a super-intelligent rabbit woman and an anthropomorphic piece of mud, gets lonely. Mm-hmm. So he decides to download an app and start dating on the internet. The app is called Deathstagram, and every time he swipes left, it kills a little bit of his soul. <laughs> so it's basically just like 32 pages of him being sad and like swiping left and slowly dying. So. Sounds right up my alley. <laughs> Uh, is this is this somewhat? Have you been looking through my windows? Uh, yes, actually, yes. <laughs> this sounds like a little bit like if it was a slightly less like my life, mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't be as suspicious as I am right mm, now mm, of mm, what's going on. Right. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my new design parameter for Professor Cuties is every time uh, I get on an airplane, I make a Professor Cuties issue. There you go. So it's it's very like you have six hours from here until New York. Mm-hmm. Make that mini comic, motherfucker. <laughs> so I just kind of, hey, I guess this is what I'm making today, um, because n- normally my comics and zine stuff are not really the zines. Those, all of the zines are kind of just like shitted out. The the comics are so labor intensive and take fucking forever to make. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm really excited about it. And I, for some reason, it's funny that you bring that up because most people for the past like year and a half 
haven't really been they don't buy that many professor cuties hmm. um and now that there's three of them i've sold more of them collectively than in the entire last two years i guess it's oh. something where you're just like people just see that you're committed to this dumb idea for long <laughs> enough and then they're like all right fine here's some money give me some <laughs> where initially they're like no that sounds bad <laughs> No, I don't want that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. If, if I feel like if there's three issues, people assume you know you're probably doing something right here, <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to just throwing money down a well <laughs> of like, well, fuck this. I'm just gonna keep making these because I think they're funny. Mm-hmm. I was I was seeing your social media about shitty Watchmen. That's oh, blowing yeah. up. Yeah, That's yeah, super cool. Uh, Aristotle helped us publish it. Aristotle uh, and Chris, badass. Yeah, that's super cool. Uh, it's it's pretty weird. It uh, I went weird. to a meeting yesterday. Uh, for day job stuff with uh, a person who used to work at DC and was one of the co-heads of Wildstorm and uh, which I'm sure like six of the people that listen to this are like I know exactly who it is now (laughs) kind of said a little too much whatever Uh, this person knew who I was because of Shitty Watchmen which is fucking weird that's awesome it is really weird to walk into a room and be like you're that guy right one step away from you're that guy to oh you're Dave Baker I'm a huge fan you're on the map I don't That's know about cool. that, but I'm slowly <laughs> fucking chugging forward being like, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah, let me ask you off mic. Uh, is Shitty Watchmen, like, legal? Yeah. Are you allowed yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To my... So... Are you allowed to edit this out? No, no, no. This is, no, this is fine. No, this is great. Uh-huh. So, uh, again, I haven't been sued by Marvel yet, or yeah. DC yet, so it mm-hmm. could change. Oh, you'll get a cease and desist. They'll give you a chance. Yeah. They won't take down the Duke of Zine. <laughs> Uh, I believe it's the impresario. The impresario of scenes. That's bad PR. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So my understanding Mm -hmm. is that the definition of parody is that it is thirty percent different from the original object or whatever the the original thing, Mm -hmm. and it's any reasonable person would not mistake it for the original idea. No one is going to look at a book called Shitty Watchmen. (laughs) And think that it's actually Watchmen. Yeah. Um, wow, you looked into this. I did. That's great. Because everybody DM'd me as soon as I posted that. <laughs> and they were like, bro, um, I think you're going to get sued. And I was like, no, you motherfuckers. No, yeah. I think you're, you're safe because usually what they do is they'll just like send you really threatening letters before they sue you. And so, part of me wants to get sued. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> part of me take is like, this as professional legal advice. <laughs> okay. Right now. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I work with high frame rate, and so I'm obviously very, very legally savvy. <laughs> yes. Well, exactly. you guys have managed not to get sued for making the worst fucking looking movies ever made. <laughs> oh! And now you're gonna get sued. That's <laughs> personal. Peter Jackson shows up to my door, and he's like, "Hey, that was up. fucked up. Here's your fucking." You, I'll see you in court, <laughs> motherfucker. Um, Good times. Yeah, no, so I, to my knowledge, it's completely legal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've we'll heard see. this, yeah, satire. It's considered satire. Satire, yeah. Mm-hmm. Satire, parody, yes, to, to my knowledge. Um, but I also uh, think that if DC can't get sued for what they're doing to the Watchmen, I shouldn't be able to get sued for what I'm doing to the Watchmen because their shit is way worse. Yeah. That's that's how the legal system works. Is yeah, you um, look at other people and you're like, but they, but they these did, guys. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> literally like, how it works. Like, yeah. Innocent, innocent. Yeah, yeah. There's a guy with a gavel who's just like, oh yeah, yeah, innocent. Get him out. Fuck yeah, yeah. yeah. Throwing it out of ca- throwing it out of court. That's yeah. good. That's good pod sound effect. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Very good pod. So stupid. <laughs> 
Um, do you have windows for when people can uh, apply for Xenomatic, or is it kind of just... We're looking free? for stuff all the time. We, we put on, you know, yeah, three to, three to six zines a month, so we're always open okay. for submissions. What about uh, signing up to receive uh, yep, the Yep, always packages? open. We ship on the 1st, so okay. if you sign up early in the month, you have to wait a long time. Uh, be sure to send me angry emails about that, mm-hmm. and I will respond in a nice-ish way. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we're sort of open all the time, you know? It's the internet. You can get in there whenever you want. 24-7. 24-7. Yes. Yeah. And be sure to email me a lot of questions before mm-hmm. you sign up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks. This is a good, this is a plug. Is this a plug? That is a plug. Oh, yeah. that feels good. <laughs> uh, I was just about to ask, do you have anything else that you'd like to plug? Uh, no. Um, I no. Okay. Lumium. Check out Lumium. Virtual mm-hmm. reality for old folks. Mm-hmm. I mean, elderly people. Yeah. To be careful about that. Is that an incendiary <laughs> term? They're like, we're not old, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. There you Learned. go. Well, I appreciate you being on the show, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. For sure. Comic at theactionhospital.com. Find me on Instagram at xDaveBakerX. Same on Twitter. And uh, come find me on the Facebooks. Just Dave Baker. Uh, if you'd like to find the show, it's at meltcomics.com, uh, and it's obviously named, it's pronounced Zine. <laughs>